Ash trees are among the first trees to change color. Ash trees are also as valuable as timber, most famously for baseball bats, but also for flooring and many other uses, and are commonly planted as shade trees. As you drive around the Hudson Valley this past fall, you might remember the dusky yellows and purples of the ash trees, and you should try to remember them since, well, they won't be around much longer. The culprit? The careless introduction of the emerald ash borer. It's the big ash tree die-off, and across Dutchess County and all of North America, it will affect all of us. Nearly 7% of all the trees in New York State are ashes, so there's going to be a lot of dead trees. Brian and I are really fond of all our trees and proud of our immense tree cover. The handsome maple on the front lawn is probably more than 100 years old and is thriving. All around our property, though, are ash trees, which Brian keeps telling me eventually all need removal. We had 30 removed this fall alone. Stores are dangerous anyway, but dead trees are the most vulnerable and the most dangerous of falling. My cousin Lisi was visiting one weekend just before COVID and a ferocious storm started. Rain, thunder, Nora hiding under the table shaking. At first we were amused by the rain and stood out on the covered porch to watch and witness the beauty of the intense rain. Then we went back inside and it's not more than an hour while we're asleep that we wake up to it. Snap, crack, thud. It's a new way of living and I'm trying to get used to it One park blues have an ounce of an idiot Ordered a Manhattan and they call me a city, yeah At first I hurt my feelings but it's kinda got a ring to it When you move to the country they can tell when you're new to it I'm looking at a place but I'm trying to keep fitting in It takes too long to be a local so for now I'm a city, yeah Matt Zucker, and this is Sidiot, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. Episode 82, Insurance. This is about trees and about insurance. Proactive tree care is an active hobby, and maybe, done right, you can avoid insurance issues. Many people wait until the spring to begin thinking about their landscaping, but the pros and I know to get a head start in the fall and early winter. One blog talked about the pine method, prune, inspect, nourish, and extend. Inspect trees for dying limbs, insect damage, or signs of disease. Nourish trees with water and organic mulch. And extend, extend next year's growing season by planting new trees in the fall. The proactive advice they share makes sense. Healthy, well-cared trees generally don't die, snap, lose limbs, or house termites. Keeping your trees healthy can prevent damage to your home and your property. Tree people, I find, are heroes. It's dangerous hard work, climbing up and chopping down and hauling away trees. Our first tree guy, Zebediah, sure looked the part. He looked like a Norse god, like Thor, but he was actually Hawaiian. Zeb would show up to prune our trees and regardless of the weather, take off his shirt and climb up a tall tree in the yard. 
I'd often be in the studio in the garden on a conference call watching this through the window. I thought he was very brave to go that high up. And while sometimes he brought a ladder, there was usually no shirt and no helmet. What the landscaping heroes don't mention, though, is what we found out when trees on our property fell on our neighbors. Insurance doesn't usually cover it. It'll cover damage to you or blocking access to your house, but an act of God or nature isn't usually covered. I know this because I just wrote a check to our neighbor for when our dead trees fell over on his fence. How do you know what you need insurance for? Well, you need insurance for nearly everything I have found out. When we come back, we'll talk about insurance with input from an expert. City is supported by Sunflower Market. With stores in Woodstock and Rhinebeck, Sunflower Market brings our communities whole health products we can feel good about, serving to the people we love. Sunflower works with local farmers and businesses to provide a large selection of clean and sustainably sourced food, high-quality organic produce, and all-natural products, so we always know where our food comes from. Brian and I pop in for groceries all the time, and especially when we're having people over. Sunflower Market. Long live local. Thanks, Sunflower. Insurance coverage can be confusing, and it gets worse when something bad happens, like a tree falling down or one threatening to. So I asked our new sponsor, Scott Hasty, of Parties Insurance Company in Kingston, for some help decoding and demystifying some of the thorniest questions listeners and I have for homeowners, auto, and commercial insurance. There's a blog post on cityat.com with a full Q&A with Scott Hasty, covering several topics, but here for you now are a few highlights. First, property and this tree issue. The question I asked Scott, a tree falls on my property from the neighbor's yard. Whose problem is it? Does insurance cover it? Okay, Scott says he's been asked this question a gazillion times over the years. The answer to this question, he says, is that the neighbor's policy will not pay, and you will be relying on your own policy to respond unless your neighbor directly caused the tree to fall. If it comes down to a weather event or tree rot, it is all but certain that the neighbor won't be considered responsible or negligent, and their policy will not pay. More good news, Scott's sarcasm. Your policy will not pay either unless the tree had something that is structural and you will incur your policy deductible before your policy will even pay. He has never seen a claim paid under these circumstances. If you have a neighbor's tree that is clearly threatening your property and is clearly in bad shape and at risk of the trunk or limbs falling, if you were to notify the neighbor in writing, certified letter, Scott says it may bolster your ability to demonstrate that it was a known hazard, that you made them aware of it and they failed to act. Ideally, you have a civil and friendly relationship with your neighbor, Scott says, and you can come to a friendly mutual agreement with issues of this nature. That's what happened for me and Brian. Okay, a different question. This one related to plumbing. What's my coverage if my septic system backs up, wreaking havoc and disgust? Longtime listeners know this happened to me back in episode six. City dwellers used to sewer systems are in for a rude awakening in this experience. It's a mess. So I asked Scott, what does insurance cover and not cover? Here's what he said. Most claim scenarios have multiple potential layers to them. What you may have experienced personally is that the septic tank itself was not covered because the damage to that and related components was due to wear and tear 
which is not something that an insurance policy would respond to. The wearing out of something is hardly ever something there'd be coverage for. One of the first things a claims representative will look for to determine was the cause of the claim due to something that was sudden and accidental. Effectively, that means an event that took place and the damage that was occurred was immediate. If that wasn't the case, and the damage was due to something that was occurring over, say, an extended period of time, this makes it far more likely that a claim will be denied because what occurred is likely to be considered a lack of upkeep or maintenance. Great. Blame the victim. What happened in your case, Matt, was the resulting damage due to the failure of some portion of your system was covered. The cleanup and damage done to the backup was covered and likely covered at what is called a sublimit of coverage. With sewer and water backup coverage, it's typically provided on a homeowner's policy at some incremental amount, and most often, it can even be increased if you wish it to be. And after that experience, I sure wish it to be. Okay, another thing I wanted to know about was umbrella policies. What are they, and do we need it beyond homeowners that we already have? Scott says he's a huge advocate and proponent of umbrella liability policies. They're most often what he would call an inexpensive peace of mind. Visually, when you think of an umbrella, you think of it in terms of covering over you, and that's what an umbrella liability policy does. It covers over and above the amount of liability coverage you have on your home and the liability coverage you have on your vehicles. The more you have to lose, either now or in the future, would dictate how large an umbrella liability policy you would consider having. Scott says he has seen some internet-based financial advisors advising against umbrella policies or suggesting that the umbrella liability limit does not need to be that high because the statistical likelihood of you being the one who has the misfortune of a huge settlement occurring is so low. Sorry, he says, I don't think anyone should put what they have worked for their entire lives at risk over saving a couple or a few hundred dollars. On the blog at cityat.com, you'll see an example that Scott uses to explain his thinking. Another question I had, which I'm sure you had, was about animals. Here's the scenario I gave Scott. Driving at night on a curvy mountain road in Saugerties, say I hit a deer. Luckily, I'm okay, but my car is massively banged up and the deer, so sorry, is gone. What does insurance cover? Would it matter if it had been a bear? What about a coyote? Scott said the damage to my car resulting from striking an animal would be covered by my comprehensive coverage if I have that coverage in my policy. The claim would be subject to the deductible you have for the coverage. The type of animal, he says, would not matter. Obviously, none of us wants to hit and harm an animal. From the insurance company's perspective, hitting an animal is viewed much less severely, he says, than hitting a stationary object or another vehicle. A claim of this nature is viewed as something that was pretty much outside of your control. On the blog, I also ask about goats jumping the broken fence that's never been fixed, but you can read that question and its answer on the blog. He also mentions dog bites. The last category I hit on was commercial insurance, since so many people I know either run an Airbnb or have a small business and might be looking for commercial coverage, which Scott does as well. What I wanted to hit on this episode, though, was the idea of starting a business out of your home office. Do I need insurance beyond my homeowners, I wanted to know. Scott's answer is almost always yes, but it really depends, he says, upon the nature of your business. If it's all virtual and you don't have customers or patients coming to your home, your homeowner's insurance company may have an endorsement that can be added to your policy that may provide you with the property and liability coverage that you need. If the nature of the business is more significant, you will likely need to have a separate policy 
to address the property that your business owns, as well as liability exposure that your business has. There's a world of difference, he says, between having a business that is just you, a telephone, and a laptop with no customer, client, or patient thoroughfare versus a business where there are a lot of people coming and going from your home. One last thought he touched on, which I wanted to point out. An important consideration that most people are aware of is that if you have a detached structure on your property, think garage, cottage, studio, and it's used in whole or in part in a business manner, your unendorsed homeowner's policy can exclude all coverage on that building if something happens to it. For a lot of us with these detached buildings we use, I was like, what? Something innocent, such as the trade person storing materials or their tools in a garage or shed could trigger a denial of a claim. He's seen it happen, and of course it's awful. If you have any detached buildings on your property that are being utilized in any way related or associated with something that's business related, and I know a few listeners who do, make sure you have this conversation with your agent or insurance company so you know definitively whether you have coverage or not and whether your policy can be endorsed so you have coverage for the use of the building or if it's determined that a separate policy needs to be written to provide the proper coverage. Got it? I think I do. Hope you like this episode. I'm really into bringing on sponsors that help educate me and you about relevant stuff. So if there's something you want to know about or someone who can teach us something, let me know. As the season ends, I'm starting to plan the next one. Thank you, Scott, for the candid answers about insurance. For folks interested in talking to Scott about homeowners, auto, umbrella, or commercial coverage, please reach out to him by email or phone. You'll find links, address, and his number on cityat.com and in the show notes. I'm Matt Zucker here in the Hudson Valley. The trees are bare but beautiful, and most of them are living. Come visit. Chill, 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 chill.